Good morning, everybody. Jen is, Jen is right, uh, fall, right despite those two 80-degree hiccups earlier this week. This is, uh, this is my favorite time of year. You know, we joked a little bit this morning. I had some time to, to pray with Nathan and, and Ed this morning. And uh, Nathan, if you notice, has got a button-down shirt. He's got a sweater on over top of it, which I believe is probably the, the best uh, outfit you can ever wear. And uh, I just love this time of year. I really do. You know, this morning is, is maybe going to be a little bit different because this morning is going to be different because it is going to sound probably an awful lot like last week. If you were not here, Nathan shared uh, last week, and, and the, the, the message that he gave is something that I, I listened to this morning driving here from home. It's the third time that I've gone back to listen to that message, uh, which I, I, don't normally, uh, I don't normally do. There's probably been a handful of these. You know, there was one, uh, Aaron spoke over the summer in July about the Word of God that I went back to several times. And, but there's something about what he shared last week that I think is so vitally important for us to grab a hold of that rather than moving on, I want to I camp out really almost in the exact same spot that Nathan was in last week. Right? So if you weren't here and you haven't had a chance to listen to his message, right, you're in luck because this one is probably going to sound... Um, it, it will fill in some of those blanks. And if you were here last week, then I'm going to take uh, great joy and great pleasure uh, in, in reminding you of some of the things that Nathan talked about last week. How many of you remember what, what we talked about last week? Just by, how many of you remember? <laughs> Nathan remembers. <laughs> All right. We talked a little bit about this in our small group this week, right? We are so prone as people to forget the things that we should remember and to remember the things that we should forget. Right? Is that not true? I can't remember what Nathan talked about last week, uh, but I can remember uh, the way he offended me six months ago. Right? Is, is that not true? Right? Is that not what we are prone towards? So Nathan talked about inquiring of the Lord, right? the story of David uh, in Samuel. And so I want to I kind of go back into that in maybe a slightly different lens. I, I don't intend for this to be a, a complete recitation of, of what Nathan shared last week by any means. I try and be a little bit more creative or, or God has been a little bit more creative than, than that. But just by a quick show of hands, how many of you, right, you're, you're in a situation, I don't care what it is, whether it's work, family, project around your house, uh, you've reached out to somebody, a family member, a friend, a colleague, somebody here at the church, uh, to get their advice on something. How many of you guys have done that? Yeah, we do that all the time, right? Right, several months ago, Jules and I, right, we're, we're going through this dynamic with our family, needed to get a lawyer. I only know one lawyer. Uh, his name is Ed. So I asked Ed, that I need a lawyer. Who would you recommend? If not you, then who? Right, so, so Ed gave me a name. Right, so you do. Right, you ask for help. Nothing wrong with that. Okay. How many of you have ever been that person, right, that was asked, right, I need your opinion, I need a recommendation, right? How many of you have ever been the person giving advice, giving counsel, right? Somebody has a question, right, they come to you, right? friend of ours came to us here recently. Uh, Jules and I finished our basement. It took forever, uh, but we finished our basement, 
right? Part of that project, we had hired a contractor. And so we've got friends of ours who are in the process. They're going to finish their basement. And they said, hey, who'd you use? Did, were you happy with them? I said, yeah, it was great. Cheap. You know, work was done well. Gave them a name, recommendation. Right? I don't know what they're doing with it, but gave them a name. Right? We inquire of each other all the time. Right? And, and as we should, right? The uh, Bible says there's wisdom in a multitude of counselors. Right? And so I know, based on certain, certain projects, certain things that are going on in my life, right, that God has given wisdom to his people, right? and that it, there's wisdom for me in relying on you right, as part of a community. There's wisdom in that. Well, my question is, how many of you, and I think Nathan posed a similar question, how many of you inquire of the Lord? My follow-up question to that is, what is your threshold for inquiring of him? Right? Big things, right? Which house to buy? When Jules and I moved up here with the kids, we looked at probably, I'm going to guess somewhere between 60 and 70 houses. And some of them we did not have to inquire of the Lord. We were pretty clear. Not the one. And there were some that looked really good that, that we, we had to go and we had to say, Lord, is this the place that you would have us? And he said, nope, this is not the place I have for you. That's a big thing, right? Houses up here are expensive. There's a lot of money. Car, right? Before you buy, the last time you bought a car, new or used, I don't care. Did you inquire of the Lord? Which car? What color? And I'm not, I'm not saying this to you know, to make anybody feel bad. Please hear my heart on this, right? But my question is sort of how far down the, you know, the, from big things to small things, how small down the list do you go, right? Nathan used the example last week, right? How many of you this morning woke up, you got dressed, right? If, if my house this morning when I got up, it was 38 degrees. I knew I was going to have to wear socks today. It's fine, it's fall. I love fall. I don't, I'm not opposed to wearing socks, right? But I did not ask the Lord, which socks to wear. I opened my drawer and I just pulled out a pair of socks. But somewhere in between houses and cars and picking out your socks, there's a threshold, right? Things that we should inquire of the Lord on and things that we don't have to. Would you agree with that? Somewhere in the middle there, there's a threshold. I'll tell you a story. One of the one of the greatest gifts that God has given uh, to Julie and I, my, Julie's my wife, by the way, uh, keep Jules or Julie, um, one of the greatest gifts that God has given us uh, in our lives is we have a, a, a family, a, a couple who were uh, pastors to us for a, a long time, who we met while we were in college. We were 18 years old. We met them, uh, felt like God was calling us to ministry, and said, Lord, what, is, what does this look like, right? Do I finish college and go to seminary? And, and for me, the answer was no. The answer was, you know what, find a pastor who will open up his life to you and, and just go and, and sit with them and, and be with them and learn from them. And so we found those people who 20 years later are like spiritual parents to us, right? For 20 years have just been opening up their lives. I've watched them parent their kids, discipline their kids. I've watched them fight with each other, right? I've watched them reconcile with each other. I've watched them teach and preach and on Sundays and at conferences. I've watched them lead small groups. I've watched them lead worship. All of these different dynamics that they've just opened up their lives. But you know one of the most impactful things in 20 years of walking with them? 
was a story when we first met them. They've got two kids who are now grown. It's one of the few things in my life that makes me feel old, right? Because when we met Hannah, she was five years old. Hannah is now 25 uh, years old. Uh, a dynamic teacher, loves the Lord. But I will never forget this day. We were at their house. They had invited us over for dinner. When you're in college, somebody invites you for a home-cooked meal, right? You do not have to ask the Lord about that. <laughs> boom. Bring laundry, they said. Double boom. Right? And so we're there. We're getting ready. I don't even remember what we're going to have, except we were having a salad, Right? And these guys had a beautiful garden in their backyard. So we're standing in their kitchen. They've got a picture window. It looks out over their garden. And Hannah is five. She couldn't have been more than six years old. And Wendy says to her, Hannah, I want you to go pick some carrots out of the garden for the salad. So Hannah goes out, starts looking for some carrots. And she's pulling, right? Carrots, they've got those long greens that come out the back. So Hannah goes out. She's pulling greens, and she comes inside almost in tears because all she's got is greens, right? There are no carrots attached to those greens. Nobody wants carrot greens. You want carrots in your salad. And she's almost in tears, right, because she's not doing what she was asked to do, right? She's not disobeying. She's trying. She said, Mom, I don't understand why this is not working, and I will never forget this. Right? Wendy kneels down. Her daughter's almost in tears. She said, sweetie, did you pray? Did you ask the Lord which carrots to pull? Hannah says, no. And so right there in their kitchen, right, she prayed with her. Lord, help Hannah know which carrots to go out and pull. Hannah said, Lord, I just, help me. It wasn't complicated. It wasn't huge. We prayed back out to the garden. She goes right back to those same greens, only this time, guess what? Now there's carrots attached. Pick this one and not that one. I don't know what the threshold is, but it's somewhere between houses and cars and carrots out of the garden that God is interested in. Right? Nathan talked about last week, right? We've got, God is aware of the number of hairs on our head. Bible says that, that there's not a sparrow that falls to the ground without him knowing about it. And so if he is aware and attuned to that level of detail in our lives, my guess is that he is probably a whole lot more interested in weighing in on the things in our lives than we realize. And that maybe that threshold is a little bit closer to carrots than it is to cars or houses. But I, don't, I still don't know where that is. Even in my own life, I do not know exactly where that threshold is. And so I want to I talk with you today, again, the same place that Nathan was last week in 1 Samuel 23. So if you've got your, a Bible, or if you need a Bible, we've got some for you. Right, one of the other, the, the single greatest, as much as I love those guys, Rod and Wendy, their daughter Hannah, son David, 20 years now, uh, I used to meet with Rod. I, we, we'd get up, we'd have breakfast early. He was a morning person, which I am not. Right, we'd go, we'd, he'd buy me breakfast. And I would pour out my heart. This was a time in life where I'm in college. I'm trying to figure out what comes next. Do I marry Jules? What apartment do we get? Do I take this job? And now, he never used to answer those questions. Well, he did, but the way he answered him was always the same. And 20 years later, it is still the same. I would pour out my heart. Lord, 
Rod, I met this girl. She's awesome. What am I supposed to do? His response, always, well, Jay, sounds like you just need to hear from the Lord. I used to get so frustrated by that. To this day, I, I talked to him a couple of months ago, brought up an issue. You know what his response was? I don't know, Jay. Sounds like maybe you need to hear from the Lord. Now I'm just used to it. But I'm convinced that that is probably the single biggest thing that, that we all need to be convinced of, is that the things in our lives, whether they're houses and cars or carrots and socks, that we need to hear from the Lord, right? To believe that the desire of his heart is to have enough relationship with us to answer when we ask. And so when you look in, in 1 Samuel 23, Right? David, is, he's in this place. He's being chased by Saul. This is like the seventh or eighth time that Saul has come after him. David is literally running for his life, trying to figure out. Right? He, he's barely keeping him and his men fed. He's trying to survive. He's looking for places of safety. And he, and he hears that the, the Philistines are fighting against some city, that they're looting the threshing floors. And so he inquires of the Lord, saying, should I go and attack these guys? Should I stand up for this city? And this would seem like a no-brainer, right? He has a full plate. How many of you right now in your lives, you've got what, a full plate? You've got about all you can handle. Between work obligations and family obligations and church obligations, you've got kids or you've got parents that you're taking care of. How many of you have a full plate? Yeah. Yeah. I am working on my second plate. Right? Many of you have already got a full second plate as well. Right? David has a full plate. It would seem like a no-brainer in this case, and yet he asks the Lord. Right? You've got a full plate? I don't know whether I can come next Saturday to the, the, the fellowship time that Jen talked about. Well, if you ask the Lord, right? that seems like pretty low-hanging fruit, but my question is, is your plate too full to ask? Should I be going to Miami? I don't know the answer to that. Sounds like you're going to have to hear from the Lord. Have you asked? Your plate is full and my plate is full. Our plates are full, right? We still, God is still longing. There's something in the heart of God longing for us just to ask, right? Because in this case, the obvious answer is what? No, don't worry about them. I'll send somebody else to take care of them. You just stay alive. That's not the answer. <laughs> the answer is, first of all, David's still kind of figuring this out. Should I go and attack these Philistines? The Lord says, sure, go and attack them. David asks. He hears, but his men, they're not on the same page, right? They have not heard. And so David asks again. And this time the response of the Lord is, it's not different in that it's a different answer. It's different in that he gives him more detail. Now he says, yeah, go, attack them. Surely I'm going to go with you. Not only go, but go, you're going to win. And so David goes. Even the no-brainers in our lives. God's heart is that we would ask, right? That that's a picture. Nathan last week talked about the, it's a, it's a picture of humility. It's a picture of submission. Right? We sang about that in worship this morning. Submitting ourselves to the Lord, surrendering to the Lord. You know what? Sometimes I don't ask. You know why? You do the same thing. Sometimes I don't ask. You know why? Because I don't want to know the answer. If I asked, 
on a no-brainer and it was not what I was expecting, now I've got a choice to make. Right? If we're really honest, that happens. Not too much later, right? David goes, he wins. Now Saul knows where he is. David starts freaking out again. But he remembers to ask the Lord. Right? Will the citizens of this town that I just delivered, will they, will they surrender me? Will they turn me over? Will Saul come after me? Right? He's not even asking questions in the right order. Right? What, is it, what does it matter if they're going to surrender him if Saul's not coming? Who are they going to surrender him to? Right? He's not even thinking straight. But it doesn't matter. Look how God answers. Right? David, even though he's thinking, right, he doesn't even know which order to ask the questions. Do you ever feel like that? Lord, I don't even know what order to ask these questions in. There are so many things that I need to know, I don't even know what order to put them in. You know what? God sorts it out. Look at, look at that sequence. David's first question to him was, are these guys going to surrender me? Will Saul come down? And the Lord said, he will. Saul will come after you. The Lord answers the second question first, because that's the one that matters. David's smart enough to pick up on that. He says, wait a second, Lord, you did not answer my first question. And so he asks again, and the Lord answers the second question. What should have been the second question? Are they gonna, are, will they surrender me? And the Lord said, yeah. If you stay here, Saul will come, and they will surrender you. But what's interesting this time is God does not give David a, de- a definitive direction. All he says was, if you stay, Saul will come. And if Saul comes, they will surrender you. They will turn you over to him. God does not give him a clear direction in terms of what comes next. It would seem like a no-brainer, right? If I stay here, Saul's going to come and they are going to turn me over. This is another no-brainer. And in this case, the answer is yes, go, right? And you know that because a little bit later on it says David went and God made sure that he, David was not turned over. He wasn't surrendered into Saul's hands. And this, I made the point earlier, right? I am not clear, even on the no-brainers in our lives, I do not know which ones are worth me asking the Lord and which ones are worth me trying to figure out on my own. Because the last no-brainer was not the answer that would have seemed to have made sense. And in this case, the no-brainer, the answer that would seem to have made sense, is the answer. Do you get what I'm saying? Our natures are that we want a formula, we want a program, we want a flow chart. God does not always work that way. Now, there are, there are some questions that God has already, have already been asked and have already been answered. I was talking about this with Nathan this morning. I had a great, we had a great time praying this morning. I came in a little early. Nathan and I prayed, but we had uh, Olivia and Elias and Cohen prayed with us. You want to get ready for a message, man. You pray with a uh, a six-year-old, a four-year-old, and a two-year-old. Four, right? Six, four, and two, seven, four. You want to get, get a little bit of excitement going. That's the way to do it. But there are some questions asked and answered already. They're in here. Right? This is why I need to go back and listen to Aaron's word from earlier this summer. I need to become intimately acquainted with the questions that have already been asked and that God has already answered because some of them are in here. I do not need to ask the Lord if I am supposed to love my wife. Asked and answered. Ephesians 5, husbands, love your wives the way Christ loved the church. Asked and answered. What I do need to ask him is, Lord, what does that look like for my particular wife? I ask the Lord that every day. I, when, I don't, when I drive in or I take the bus, I pick up at exit 11, 
here on the north way. I work down at Albany. When I get off of that bus, I try to have settled with the Lord, how am I supposed to love my wife when I get home? And you know what? Some nights that means she gets right, a bouquet of flowers. Not every night. Some nights I walk through the door, I set my bag down, I don't go through logistics, I just give her a hug. Try to help with dinner. It looks different. I know, asked and answered, I'm supposed to love her, but how is something I need the Lord to show me? Because you know what? I don't know what her day looked like. I don't know what my kids need. I ask the Lord, what do I need to do when I get home tonight? Now listen, I'm not saying I get this right every night. You can ask Jules, you can ask my kids. I do not get this right every night. And David didn't get this right either. But if you flip over into, second, or into 1 Samuel 24, the very next chapter, you start to see the difference. And this is really the point that I guess I want to make this morning. I think, boy, it took me long enough. Right? This is the point. What the Lord is looking for right, is not some legalistic response, situation by situation, sock by sock or carrot by carrot. That is not what the Lord is after. Right? What the Lord is after is not situational inquiry. What he's looking for is an inclinational inquiry. I thought I made that word up. I texted, Nathan's been, I've been bugging him all week. I said, Nathan, I think I made up a word for my message on Sunday. I looked it up. Inclinational is a word. God is looking for our hearts to be inclined towards him the way his heart is inclined towards us. Right? That it not be about a formula that says, wear this color sock on this, you know, it, it's not about that. It's about a heart inclination. And you start to see that in 1 Samuel 24 when he's in the cave. Saul's there, he's sleeping or whatever he's supposed to do. And if you look in verse 4, the men that are with David say, David, now is your chance. Surely this is the day that God told you that he would deliver Saul into your hands. The reality is God had never said that to David. If he had asked those men, if he had relied on their counsel instead of the Lord, that story would have played out a whole lot differently. Right? But the reality is David was not situationally inquiring of the Lord. He had a heart that was inclined to say, I know my Lord well enough to know that this is not the way this is supposed to play out. And he rebukes his men and says, no, I'm not going to raise my hand against God's anointed which is really interesting considering David was also, at this point, had already been anointed. And Saul had certainly been raising his hand against God's anointed. You see the difference here between a heart inclination between Saul and David. Flip over, right? Chapter 25. Now Saul and Abner and everybody in the camp, they're all sleeping. David sees them, right? They go down. This time the guy that he takes with him says, David, surely this is what God told you about, right? Saul's given, or uh, God's given Saul over into your hand. Abishai said to David, today God has delivered your, de delivered your enemy into your hands. Now let me pin him to the ground with one thrust of my spear. If David had really wanted to here, you see the technicality in this, right? After David cuts off the corner of Saul's robe, he goes out and he says, listen, I will not lift my hand against God's anointed. He goes down in chapter 25, right, with Abishai, who says, God's delivered Saul over into your hand. Let who do the work? Abishai says, I will take care of this for you. David could have gotten out of this and said, you know what? I could take out Saul here without lifting my hand against God's anointed. 
I've got a guy for that. He didn't have to ask the Lord. He already had a heart-inclined, inclinational inquiry to the Lord. He doesn't take advantage of the technicality. Maybe you're not as much like me on this one. I look for technicalities all the time. Maybe you are more like me. Right? This pattern goes on. Nathan mentioned last week, I, I, I tested him on this. Right? You should do that no matter who's up here teaching, whether it's Nathan or Corey or any of us. Right? You should test what we say. There are nine places where it says David inquired of the Lord, just like Nathan said last week. And if you go back and look at those over and over and over again, David inquires, right? Big things and little things. He inquires of the Lord. And you know what? Every single time, the Lord answers him. For Samuel 30, 2 Samuel 2, 2 Samuel 5, 2 Samuel 7, over and over and over again, David inquires, God answers. So what's the threshold? I don't know. But here's what I do know. Our lives tend to have a lot more carrots than they do cars. I've got a lot more little day-to-day operational sort of things than I do big things in my life. I believe that that this heart inclination is what allowed, if you go back and you read this story about when, when David goes to Saul about fighting Goliath, it does not say anything about David inquiring of the Lord before he goes to Saul. But what he does go with is he says, you know what, this looks an awful lot like when I'm out shepherding my father's sheep and a bear came or a lion came, right? As I responded to, as I asked the Lord how to tend to those little things, I learned, right, the heart of God. And I know out of relationship with the Lord what he would, what he would be looking for. And this Philistine is just, for David, was another carrot because he had built up and developed this heart inclination towards the Lord. Did he always get it right? No. Are you always going to get it right? No. Do I always get it right? No. Does that mean I give up? No. Here's why. Real quick, I'm, I'm coming down the home stretch here. You know what it means when a pastor or a, 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 an elder says that when they're teaching? You know, that, you know what that means? I'm coming down the home stretch. It doesn't mean anything. In Matthew 7, in verse 7, right, this will sound familiar to many of you, right, this is Jesus talking, right, if you, lest you think that this is simply an Old Testament concept, Matthew 7, verse 7, Jesus says, ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened to you, for everyone who asks receives, he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks the door will be opened of you. Which of you, if his son asked for bread, would you give him a stone? Or if he asked for a fish, would you give him a snake? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? There is no greater gift that we get from the Lord than for to ask him, right, what his thoughts or opinions or his counsel are on a matter and for him to be able to unload his heart and his mind to us. There is no greater gift Ask, seek, and knock. Should I do this? I don't know. If you ask the Lord, what does he have to say about it? How should I do this? 
I don't know. Have you asked the Lord? And again, I'm not saying this to, to, to put a, a heavy burden on anybody. What I'm saying is this is an incredibly freeing way to live. I can tell you from firsthand experience, uh, just this week alone, right, in the budget, there's, there are hundreds of, of line items in the budget that Nathan mentioned earlier. The admin board, the, the budget committee, the elders, we've done everything that we know how to do to hold every single one of those line items before the Lord. Every single one of them. To know which, which trips and which partnerships and right, how do we invest as a body? What are we doing, right? All of those were right, the best we can. Lord, what do you want to do? What do you want to do, Lord? What does this look like for new life? There's some parts of that that are asked and answered. Should we be supporting missions? Asked and answered, right? How? Which ones? Right? Moldova versus, I don't know how to make that decision. Lord, what would you have? What I want to leave you with is this. In John 5, this is Jesus again, just getting done, presenting himself as the very son of God, right? Divine nature. This is what he says to them. I tell you the truth, the son can do nothing by himself. That word nothing means not even one thing. It means not even socks, not even carrots. He only does that which he sees his father doing. His heart was inclined, even as a, as a divine part of the Godhead, to submit himself, right? To incline his heart to the Father and say, Father, what does this look like? We're not above our master. So I know we're right at time, but I'm going to ask Corey and the, and the worship team to, to come up and, and just sort of um, close us. But as we do that, I want to ask you, what, are, what things that are on your plate do you need to inquire of the Lord on? Whether the, the biggest thing on your plate or, or, or something little. This has been a, a season for, for us and our family, Jules and I. We've been trying to sort through some of these things. And we've gone to the Lord on things that seemed like no-brainers. Where he said, yeah, I want you to do that. Or no, I don't want you to. Folks, we've got to do, we've got to continue, right? Part of the work for all of us. Right, is continuing to cultivate that heart inclination, right? That I don't have to rely situation by situation inquiring the Lord. If I stay in that place, I'm going to be paralyzed because that never stops, right? Which socks? Which cereal? Which, where do I get gas? What the Lord's looking for is not that, right? What he's looking for is for our hearts to be inclined to say, Lord, whatever you have for me, here I am. Send me. Ashley's story from this morning is a, is a great example, right? For me, it's a no-brainer. You're 26, 27 weeks pregnant. That is a no-brainer. Thank goodness she asked the Lord and not me.